Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Jennifer Rudolph Walsh is the editor of the anthology Hungry Hearts, Essays on Courage, Desire, and Belonging. Jennifer has sat as the nexus of entertainment media for nearly 30 years. She was WME's sole female board member and global head of its literary, lectures, and conferences divisions, and she represented such luminous clients as Oprah Winfrey, Brene Brown, Alice Monroe, and Sue Kidd. In 2016, she co-founded Together Live, a traveling intersectional women's tour driven by the mission of finding purpose in community through authentic and heartfelt storytelling. Over four years, the tour visited 35 cities, lit over 50,000 souls on fire, and produced three seasons of a widely streamed podcast. She serves as a board advisor to See Her, the National Book Foundation, and her alma mater, Kenyon College. After a lifetime in New York City, Jennifer relocated to San Francisco to walk beneath the redwoods with her family and three dogs. Welcome, Jennifer. Again, sorry for the tech slip up, but anyway, welcome back to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It's great to have you here to discuss your anthology, Hungry Hearts, Essays on Courage, Desire, and Belonging. Welcome. 
Thank you so much for having me. And I love being in the presence of a fellow book lover and a fellow anthology author. I feel like I'm right at home here. So I'm grateful. I can't believe we haven't met until now. I was like reading your introduction and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to meet this woman. How do I not know her? So it's amazing. Thank you. So, okay. You were just starting to tell me about how this got started and how the pandemic sliced into your plans as well. Tell me about starting in your whole enterprise and your intersectional okay. love affair. So I spent the last 30 years as a literary agent and loved every minute of amplifying voices, particularly those of less celebrated, potentially more marginalized voices, because I believe in my core that when you hear somebody's authentic story, you could never see them as other again. You'll find yourself in a story of somebody who you maybe have no shared lived experience with, and yet you find that, oh, wow, they're telling my exact story. And so I have always been somebody who believes it's part of my mission on life to build the largest platform and the biggest megaphone to amplify stories. And five years ago, that dream evolved because people write in solitude and people read in solitude. And there was something about the digital connected world that made me feel more literally disconnected than I had ever felt before. So even though I was in constant contact with everybody all the time, I felt an absence of that intimate insides to insides connection. And from that space, we created something called Together Live, which was an intergenerational, intersectional traveling love rally. We set sail in 2016 and a bunch of intergenerational, intersectional wisdom keepers would go from town to town and basically set people's souls on fire. And I loved it so much, I never wanted it to end. In fact, I left my full-time job in December of 2019 to focus exclusively on this. And then the universe had its way. So COVID hit just as we were launching our first ever spring 2020 tour. And we thought, how can we take some of the magic from those rooms and manifest them in a book. And that's how Hungry Hearts was born. Interesting. So how else did you take the in-person, aside from this book, what else did you decide to do when you had to pivot? Well, for me personally, it had been 30 years of moving at a thousand miles per hour. And when you're in the representation business, it's a very specific kind of stress in that you're responsible for people's careers and so in a weird way, it's almost more stress than your own career, because if you're somebody like me who takes this sacred honor and responsibility very, very seriously, it's like an amplified kind of responsibility. And once the COVID hit and I had to just take a deep breath and what I call the sacred pause, I realized I needed to just actually do nothing. And, and I'm very privileged to be able to have that opportunity to do nothing, but rather than pivot and try to make something happen, you know, the book felt like service through joy, like an opportunity to do something that I know how to do really well. I've published, you know, I've been the midwife to over 2000 books. Oh so I gosh. thought this is something I can do and I can do this with joy but trying to recreate the live event events experience in some virtual way, it just felt like it felt like work to me. Mm-hmm. And my soul told me that it was time for me to just take a, a deep exhale and what I called my sacred pause, which I'm still on, and really just worry about communing with nature, hearing my own voice for the first time in 30 years, waking up in the middle of the night and not worrying about somebody else's royalty check from Japan. <laughs> 
but instead, you know, but instead just hearing my own breath. And so it's been an incredible year. I moved to San Francisco, which nobody saw coming since, as a friend of mine said, when I said I was moving from New York, she said, but you are New York. (laughs) So the beauty of this is I'm a lot of it. And right now I'm in the Redwoods in San Francisco and I'm spending every day just playing with my dogs, spending time with my last child who's a senior in high school and just kind of being, you know, I say I've finally become a human being instead of a human doing. And it's just been transformational for me. And these stories inside these pages really kind of are emblematic of everything that I know to be true, you know, whether you're a trans woman from the Philippines or a disabled, you know, woman from Muslim woman from New Jersey or a f- over somebody who perceives himself as overweight, former military guy who sings like an angel. Once you get inside of these stories, you realize, oh, that's me. Oh, that's my brother. Oh, that's my, my sister. And then you could really never view that person as other again. But more than that, you see the beauty in your own story. That is so great. So were the people, how did you pick the people that you included? Well, these were the people that were meant to be on the spring tour. So it was very easy. We kind of all, we'd all sort of, you know, kind of circled around and nobody wanted to let go of the sisterhood and brotherhood that we had created on the tour. And, you know, we called ourselves a road family and we would do these incredible shows. And then every night we would have dinner together and the table would just grow and grow because everybody was welcome to bring whoever was in the audience for them. So it was, it was, it was magic, just magic. Sounds amazing. Wow. Are you going to go back to it? Do you think when things go back? I don't see myself moving backwards. No, that's it. No. I mean, I don't know what, what, what forward's going to look like, but right now I'm just, I'm just luxuriating in the moment of, I turned 54 on Valentine's day at three days after this book was published. And I'm luxuriating in the fact that I could be 54 and have a joyful first. So being the author or the more morally the curator, because I don't like to call myself the editor because the amazing Katie Nishimoto really edited this book and it was extraordinary. And I love that because she started as a college graduate, as my assistant. And then I watched her grow into the incredible powerhouse that she is. And then several years ago, she was recruited to go over to Random House and Dial Press. So to have her be the editor of this book was just so full circle for me. And, you know, part of sort of all these beautiful children I have in the world that I have loved to death through the workplace and help them find like their own magic, honestly, largely through authentic storytelling. Wow. I love that. And it's so great because I feel like, first of all, I say the same thing that it shouldn't say edited my anthology. It shouldn't say edited. It should say curated or even like hosted by. I was like, I assembled it all. I like pulled it all together, but I had an editor for my book too. So I feel like it's a misnomer, you know? I actually had, I had Katie, who's extraordinary. And then the publisher, Whitney Frick, was also davening over every single solitary piece of this. So, I mean, there was so much love in this. And, you know, we said from the beginning, the only flavor we want on this is delicious. And that's the only flavor we got. That's amazing. Are you from New York originally? Like, did you grow up there? Born and raised, honey. In the city? Yup. 68th Street between Broadway and Amsterdam. 
Went to Riverdale High School. I went to Trinity. I was on 668th and Park. So we were right across the park. Yeah. So we were right across the park from each other. Wow. We had like such, and I read in your introduction, which by the way, was so great because your whole focus on storytelling. I mean, I could not, you could not find a more receptive audience for what you're saying. I'm like, this is what I try to preach like day in and day out. And it's like, somebody just said it better than me. It's perfect. Because you said, if I told you that my parents got divorced when I was nine years old, it would communicate a fact, but it wouldn't help you know me better. What if instead I told this? And then you go on about exactly what happened. You tell a story about it. And of course, immediately you're engaged because you've totally. proven your point. It's awesome. It's just like a brilliant way to start that. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think people feel like the details of your story are unimportant. And the truth is that the details of your story are your superpower. You know, in other words, it's like we could both say, oh, yeah, our parents got divorced. But then if you said to me, we had a family meeting too, now suddenly we're both leaning in. We're both going, you know, what else, what else do we have in common? And, and, and frankly, what else do we have that didn't go the same way? And how can I learn from what was different from you? Or how could you learn from what I'm saying to you? And not in the advice way, because advice has a very powerful role in the world. But I think storytelling is almost more profound because it's the old show, not tell. I mean, I can, I can tell you, but if I show you, then both of us are served because you see me and in the seeing of me, I can see you. And so, and you know, it's interesting. I was watching Jane Fonda's speech at the Golden Globes and it was, I felt like I could have written that. Speech. Me too. I mean, my, my, I my like, son was there. He's like, mom, that speech is so you. That's but exactly like, what I, I agree with her completely. I learned about being a Muslim 20 something man from watching Rami. I learned, you know, what it means to, you know, to be a sexual assault victim from watching I May Destroy You. Like I felt the exact same way. And that's the power of storytelling. I mean, it kind of takes the judgment out of it and it just puts us, like firmly into the seat of our humanity. I could not agree with you anymore. This is like so great. This whole thing. It's like music to my ears. And then of course, in your book, you have all these great stories and Suman Kid. I had like Suman Kid and Lovey, by the way, on my podcast. I think that was it. But Suman Kid's essay was so beautiful. Didn't you just like flip out when you read it? Weren't you like- First of all, I mean, Sue writing that essay was really one of the reasons I wanted to do this anthology. Because she wrote that essay as a gift to me, literally, to an homage to Together Live. And when I read that essay, I was like, oh, I don't want to put this on some website. I want to publish an anthology around this. And, you know, Sue is such an inspiration to me on every level. I mean, first of all, she was 54 when she wrote The Secret Life of Bees. So at the time that I represented that book, 54 seemed really like (laughs) way in the future. But hello today. (laughs) So she's been, not that I have any interest in writing a novel, by the way, just to be perfectly clear, but she's been such an inspiration for me in terms of how a creative life unfolds over time. And I think that there's a lot of focus on, you know, sort of early out of the gate. And in my own way, I was early out of the gate, but I'm really resistant to to the idea that I have to compete with my past self in any way. I'm sort of, you know, new gen, or as my son calls me, next gen, you know, is really very much about integrating all the pieces of who I've been, but being a lot less certain and a lot more curious. And Sue really personifies that for me with such grace and such beauty. 
It's amazing. And not just the inspiration for writers, which is here, but the inspiration for women. I just want to read. She said, every day I would pause and she had the sign and read the words and try to take them in. And the words were from Emile Zola. If you ask me what I came to do in this world, I, an artist, will answer you. I am here to live out loud. And then she said, what if I substitute the word woman instead? And then she said how she has to get through her fear. And she had to face down insidious voices in my head that told me I shouldn't write because it was too big a risk. But, and I didn't have an MFA. The sinister twins don't and can't. I mean, sinister it's just twins. amazing. The whole thing. So good. I know. I know. Genius. I did, know. You read, did you read Janice Kaplan's The Genius of Women, by the way, that no. book? Oh, it's, she wrote a whole book on this theory of like why women geniuses aren't called out. Why does it have to be a, whim, a woman genius? Why isn't it just a genius? As opposed to just genius. As opposed yeah. to just genius. Yeah. Alice oh, Monroe yeah. wrote a collection that I represented many years ago called Who Do You Think You Are? And I always thought that that question is like a kryptonite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. To women, it's like, you know, if somebody somebody kind of says to you, who do you think you are? It automatically flattens you. It's like, because we, we don't know how to authorize ourselves. We don't know how to give ourselves permission to be dot, 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 whatever we are. And Sue writes so brilliantly to that sort of giving of one's permission. And in her case, you know, to have a voice, I mean, it just seems like that should just be the entry level, like that all of our girls should believe that they have a voice and that voice matters critically necessary. So funny. I mentioned to somebody this morning, even I was talking about how, cause on Instagram, I tend to write, like I, I live an experience and then I immediately kind of write about it to capture it. A, so I remember it and B out of this like compulsion now to share it and like connect over it, knowing that like other people are having the same experience. I don't know. And then I, so I literally was saying this and I was like, yeah, I just read this essay and they talked about living out loud. And that's exactly what I feel like I'm, I'm doing in a way, like everything that's inside. And you have this whole notion of like hungry hearts and the hunger that lives within and like the love that needs to come out. I feel like, I feel like I'm like in that moment, do you know, like, like we're all to like come bubbling out and this is like the that. articulation of it. So it was great. I love that sweetheart. And you know what? I think we're all in that moment. I think that 
you know, one of the blessings. And again, I don't have small children. I'm not, you know, dealing with Zoom school. I'm I'm not worried about putting food on my table. So let me just put all that in like the, you know, in the blessing category. But I am therefore able to see from a distance all the positives that are coming out of the fact that everybody has been forced to just sit down and, you know, and actually stop making themselves busy, 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 but instead to actually hear that sort of hungry heart and the voice of that heart. And what that heart wants is always good. I mean, I think we've almost been, you know, we've almost been trained to trust it. Like as if, if you trust it, you're going to lose everything, you know? And I think that for me personally, it's like there's scarcity thinking and then there's, you know, abundant thinking and scarcity thinking is, well, if I, if I speak my truth, I'm going to lose what I have, or I'm not going to get what I need. And abundance thing is if I speak my truth, there'll be more than enough for everybody. And it's collaborative and it's clarifying and it's validating. And I just, you know, I love to see people sort of step into that, into that abundant love mindset and away from that fear, you know, scarcity mindset. And I think that stories are the perfect platform for that because we all have them. We all have stories. And I think literally pretty much every single person, you know, is carrying a burden that would put you, bring you to your knees. They just would. I mean, and it's very, very easy to, you know, compare what's in your heart to this perfect picture on Instagram, you know, to Zibby's gorgeous bookshelves that are color coordinated and your gorgeous children. And imagine that your heart is not filled with, first of all, pain and heartache, but also dreams and longing. And, you know, our authentic stories gives me the opportunity to have an x-ray. So I don't have to compare my insides to your outsides. I can just go right directly from my heart to your heart. Yes. And P.S. I did those bookshelves after being sick in bed with COVID for nine straight days and finally getting out of my bed and realizing like I was so glad to be like healthy and alive and myself that I took all this energy and did it. But it's not like I mean, people can make all sorts of assumptions, but like mean that on the other side of that shelf, I wasn't like sick in bed or you know what I mean? Like that's exactly what I'm saying. It's very easy to look at you and think, oh, you, you know, you belong on that show home edit. You're perfect. No, you know? I'm not perfect. And I'm the first one to say, that. you know, <laughs> nor am I and not even close. I think there should be a line of t-shirts, like, or a line of things where you, like you would say, you know, like you could check the box, like narcissistic mother and, you know, recovering from abusive relationship or like whatever, make it up. Right. Like, have you ever seen, by the way, have you ever seen in and of itself on Hulu? It's an like, incredible show. You've got no. to love it. And I saw it. I saw it as a magic show in Union Square like four or five years ago. And I actually took an idea from there because you walk into the show. I don't want to, you will love this. You're going to text I'm me. I'm so excited. Like, oh my God, my freaking mind. But you walk into the theater and there was like, I am, and it was just a million cards. And it was like, I am a priestess. I am a survivor. I, and everybody took a card. And so I did that one year at Together Live. And it was incredible. People got stickers that said, you know, I am, you know, I am a survivor or I am a healer or I am. And I agree. It's like, I am recovering from these things, but also these things do not define me. Right. I am a piece of, my story is a piece of who I am, but it's an ongoing dynamic, like living story. It's a living history. And so, you know, for many years, I used to think, 
I was sort of like the oak tree in everybody's life, like the unmovable object. And I loved that. But guess what? I moved. So I'm no longer an unmovable object. And that's good too. It doesn't mean that I wasn't one for 52 years, 53 years, but it means I don't have to be for, for the next. And, you know, when you sort of can be a little bit free and easy with the way that you identify yourself, then I think that's where the real opportunity for connection and transformation and, and healing comes in. I, I feel like a broken record saying it again. I totally agree, but I just totally I love it. agree. I, I, I feel like holding secrets inside has like, that's like what most writing is. It's like finally getting the secrets out. And everybody has like a story. Everyone has a secret. And that's, it's in a lot of fiction. It's in a lot of, it's, it makes up almost all of memoir, like all these things, right? That you're just holding back. Yeah. Uh, and then, you, you know, know, our mutual friend, our mutual friend, Danny Shapiro, who we both adore, shout out to Danny Shapiro. She does something in her writing class. I think she told me that it's an exercise she does when she's doing a writing workshop where she says to people, I want you to write down like the thing that you think is the most unlovable, the, your biggest secret, the thing that you're most ashamed by. And people start writing right away. Nobody needs one second to, to think about it. And then she says, now, if I were to play a dirty trick on you, which I'm not going to do, but if I were and told you that you had to read that out loud, you would imagine that that would be the end of you, the end of your possibilities. And yet the truth of the matter is, if you did do that, it would actually make you closer to every single person in this room. And it's hard to make people believe that, but it's really very true. Wow. I think the only thing I think stopping people, not the only thing, one thing is like the effect on other people. Like, cause it's rare to have a secret that's just yours. Do you know what I mean? Like you went through it together. Or it involved your family or it involved this person or I feel like there's something where people can keep things under wraps or maybe that's an excuse. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, not an excuse, but it, it's it's a created obstacle because I think that if what you say, you say with love, without judgment, then I think people can always hear the truth. And I think of, I think I heard this story. I think it was Maxine Hung Kingston that told the story at a reading I went to once where when she wrote her memoir, she said to her family, like, you guys can change anything you want. Like just, uh, she gave it to her family and just said, just change anything. But because she had written it with so much love and compassion, like nobody changed anything. And I think that a lot of times people are, have an ax to grind or they haven't fully digested what's happened. I mean, I don't enjoy writing that comes from the, like the bloody pussy wound, but I like writing that comes from the, from the scar you know, the scar that's healed, but still visible. And that says this happened. This is what happened. I mean, you know, sort of the idea of instead of saying what's wrong with you, we start saying to people, what happened to you? I love that. Do you teach your own writing classes? You have to put that no. on the docket. You should. Oh, no, thank you. No, I, you can just you. get up and say that. Hard. I, I am like... busy walking with the in the Redwoods. I'm too busy being free. Okay. All right. You'd be free. But I think that's uh, if you, if you want to come back to not being free and you, you know, you could even just like do a video of yourself and like put that on some class and people would sign up and just like start writing, you know, you should, I'll just give you this YouTube, whatever. I'll, I'll give you like the clip. You can see it. <laughs> You'll inspire people. Anyway. Well, no. you know, something that I do want to say though, because all of these, all of these essays are so amazing you know, Milk talking about her own path to finding her voice, Lovey talking about a platonic breakup, which I think is incredible. Bose talking about love after love, like 
Bozema St. John. I mean, they're all so brilliant and beautiful. And one of the distinctions I like to make, I mean, these people are incredible and they and they are published authors. But I don't think that telling your story and getting published should always be conflated. In other words, everybody has a story and their story matters, but that doesn't mean that everybody's story should be published. Interesting. I started this thing called Moms Don't Have Time to Write because I didn't, because in my anthologies, I only had the published authors, but I was like, well, what about everybody else? Right. So that's where, for me at least, I'm trying to get like everybody else, like here, go just put your stuff out. So I agree, but I would have to say that if the if the measurement is publication, then I think a lot of people are going to be frustrated with the process. And so I would like the measure of success of having shared your story to be judged by connection and healing. So if you tell your story in a way to somebody who's willing to witness you and your full humanity, and then you encourage them to bravely share theirs, that's a success for me. And this is how, in my mind, we write tattoos on each other's hearts. I mean, there are people whose names I can't remember, but their stories I will never forget. Yep. It's so true. No, I was saying, I said something so similar. I was like, the point of writing and even the point of writing a book is not to necessarily be a bestseller. Like that doesn't have to be your goal just because it's other people's goals, right? Like totally. if, you, if you change one person's life with your book, isn't that, that's amazing. That's a whole life. Like think about totally. the power Actually, of that. That's, funny. that's in my newsletter today. That, oh my gosh. My, yeah. It said, just be that, be the one person because that's all. I mean, you change one person's life. Could you imagine that? I know. And that's incredible. <laughs> and incredible. you know, the truth is that through this whole process, as much as I've loved every minute of it, I have no interest in the, in the sales side of this. And I've never once looked at Amazon. I do the heart math. I mean, this is a little gift. It's a little offering you know, with a heart on it. And I love it so much. And people have reached out to me to tell me they bought 10 copies and they gave it to their, their daughters, their sisters, their mothers, their, you know, their best friends, their bosses. So I love that. That is success to me. I do the heart math. I don't need some outside measure to tell me that this has been successful. The fact that you loved it, that suffices for me. Amazing. Well, you can just show me all your work and then we could just be done, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that. Do you have any advice? I mean, that was all kind of advice for aspiring authors, but I always ask as like a last question, parting advice, like one little sound bite aside from just changing, doing the heart math. Although maybe I should just use that, but if there's- Well, I'll tell you, I do have one piece of advice. My grandfather told me this many, 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 many decades ago. And it really has helped me sort of mid-transition or mid-mistake or mid-fall, which is that it's not what happens, it's what happens next. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds really basic, but actually, as somebody who got kicked out of 11th grade for failing to live up to my potential, I was like, oh my God, I would gladly live up to my potential if I only knew how. You know, I felt like I'd already been, to use today's vernacular, I'd already been canceled. And I was 17 years old and I was like already being thrown out for failing to distinguish myself. And, you know, you can step into your power after a bad thing has already happened and realize that what happens next is actually where the opportunity is. That what's behind you, you have no power over. But what happens in the moment and your next foot forward is where all the beauty and all the sort of the delicious marrow of life exists. So that's my advice to anybody who's listening. Forget about yesterday. You know, that's the place you can't have power, but you can create a change narrative by doing what's next. So great. 
Oh my gosh. I've like loved this. This is amazing. I'm oh, so glad I met you. you. It's me like, too. Thank like, you so much for having me. And thank you for creating this incredible space for book lovers to commune. It's my pleasure. No. And I hope I meet you in person someday. And I, I, I know you're like communing with the trees and whatever, but stay, I want to stay like abreast of what you're doing because I'm just such a fan now that, and I don't know how I didn't know you before, but I'm like, anyway, my bad, if you will. Oh, <laughs> it's divine timing. It's absolutely perfect. All right. Well, so thank, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And thanks for Hungry Hearts. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I'm so glad I got to read it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 